Yo, what is going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to a brand new episode of the Quarterly Report Podcast, episode 199, one episode away from 200. Of course, y'all know who I am. I am Armand Lee, chopping it up, breaking it down with you guys for the next hour and a half or so. I know you NFL heads are going nuts right now because the NFL season is literally about a week away, a week away. Right, but y'all gonna have to chill out because we ain't talking about the NFL on this show, at least not during the quarters. However, what we are talking about will be why there's such a fascination over mascots and team names. This is something that I will never understand. And as I get older, the logic behind this rationale becomes harder and harder for me to understand. So I'm gonna speak to y'all. Because the Bamas who get mad at teams changing their names, I've got one question for you. Why does your life fucking suck so much? <laughs> We're going to be breaking that down in the fourth quarter. But also, I'm going to get my Cisco and Ebert on. You know what I'm saying? I haven't been in the theater for quite a while. But that doesn't mean that there hasn't been very strong things to watch on one's television, including the Netflix series about the malice in the palace. I will review that. And so much more. But first, our number one topic this week. First quarter. So, you know, in the intro, I told you all, we're not really going to be talking about the NFL this quarter. There'll be plenty of NFL topics to discuss. And honestly, there's not really much NBA discussion to be had as well. So, yes, I know you guys are going to be shocked. But something from the diamond actually Pete's my interest this weekend. It really did. And, you know, y'all know I hate baseball. I just really dislike baseball because baseball to me is the guy who takes himself so seriously. You feel me? Y'all know the Bama. You out with your partners and everybody's having fun. They go on you. You go on them. Everybody's joking. You're just snapping just joining on one another. It's just all in fun. And then you say something about Buddy, and then Buddy gets in his feelings and makes a whole scene out of something because they can't take a joke. The guy who, when they trip up walking on the sidewalks and people just laugh because that's what people do, they want to start screaming and be like, man, I'm going to hurt my joke. Y'all know the motherfucker. Y'all know who it is. The dude who approaches someone has an interest in them, and then it gets rejected, and then all of a sudden turns around and starts insulting the person who they were trying to holler at, to the point where you didn't have to start joining on him and pull him away because he's acting like a dickhead. We all know someone like this. The person who you can never critique at work. The person who, you know, and I'm, I work in television, right? So there'll be rundown meetings, and hey, you know what? Let's change this, or I think this, we need to reword that. And then they get extremely defensive because they take themselves too seriously. If that person, if you could precisely take all of those characteristics, all of those traits, and, and it, like put it in the machine and have a, a sport pop out, it would be fucking baseball, bro. The managers wear uniforms. <laughs> These grown-ass men, 50 years old, sometimes 60, 70, 
wearing uniforms. Baseball takes itself too seriously. The Field of Dreams game, and don't get me wrong, it's so dope. But they the idea, I don't rock with Field of Dreams. That shit don't mean nothing to me. But whatever, a lot of people love it. You like it, I love it. Bomb. These motherfuckers had Kevin Costner talking before the game for forever. Smalls, forever. You feel me? Before the game. Because it takes itself too seriously. The unwritten rules. I can go on and on about how I can't stand fucking baseball. But damn it. Something happened, I believe, what, Sunday? In Queens? That almost, at a, I, did, I, I was at a loss for words. It was such a baseball event that happened that, damn it, it forced my hand. I had to talk. I could have talked about the Chicago Bulls. I could have talked about my new, I could have talked about a racket shit. I could have talked about Aaron Rodgers, top 100. Fuck that. The New York Mets were public enemy number one. Is it because they cursed out a fan? Nope. Is it because they went on a strike or protest because they were being booed? No, no, no. Did they get caught smoking or, or drinking on the on the job? Nope, that's for the Red Sox. The Mets were public enemy number one in the sports world for a day or two. Why? Because they put their thumbs down. <gasps> the audacity. The New York Mets reached base. And then. In a sign. In a stance. In a show of disrespect. In a show of anarchy. In lewd behavior. They actually put their thumbs up and then they turned them down looking at the fans. Oh my goodness. What's wrong with the athlete in 2012? Shut the fuck up. They put their thumbs down, bro. In the next quarter, I'm going to talk about a documentary where players literally were punching fans. And understand this, I have 100% always been pro player in that. Fans want to act stupid. Fans, hey, what's the saying? Play stupid games, win stupid prizes. Now, the fans in New York for the baseball team, the Mets, they didn't do anything like that. They didn't do anything stupid. Please understand, I am not comparing the fans in, in Detroit way back when to the fans of the Mets. If you buy tickets, you can 100% boo. I'm a Knicks fan. How many times I booed them motherfuckers? <laughs> hey, dog. The Mets are trash. They're not good. So if you're a Mets fan and you pay money and you haven't been, uh, you haven't liked the production you've seen, sure, boo. It's a boo. But if you boo, 
your home team, don't get all in your feelings. If they put a thumb down, bro, when I saw the outrage that it was all across television, all across the internet, all on different New York media sports pages, I, I, I thought I, I missed something. I really thought I missed something. I was like, okay, hold on. There has to be more here. There has to be more here. Man, somebody must have curse somebody out on the paper, maybe, maybe you know, cause they may be a caught Bama on camera giving an MF or uh, calling, a, you know, somebody, something out of their name. This had to be something more than just turning your thumbs down because you cannot show your displeasure in a more gentleman, polite way than turning your thumb down. They didn't flip Bama's off. You understand? They ain't curse anybody. They ain't swing anybody. They ain't talk. They ain't demean anyone in the paper, in the, in the post game. They said, look, y'all Bama's boo us when we don't play well. We don't like that. So when we do play well, we're going to look at you and put our thumbs down. That's some sucker shit. But to get mad at it is taking sucker shit to the motherfucking next galaxy. You're getting paid millions of dollars. And look, I'm consistent with this unless you do something outlandish. More times than that, I'm gonna I'm gonna align with the player. The player wasn't feeling the fans. They didn't do anything inappropriate. They put their thumb down. How childish is this? And as if that somehow can can't be topped in terms of remember. Taking yourself too seriously. You get booed. All right, man, eat that shit. But whatever. You put your thumb down. You're not violated. That's nothing crazy. Okay, cool. But in an effort to top the absurdity, we now have media members appalled that players somehow put their thumbs down to fans? Put their thumb down. <laughs> I don't even know the last time I put my thumb down to something unless I was trying to imitate Joaquin Phoenix from Gladiator. Who puts the thumb down to something? It's, it's the most childlike thing. It's the most childlike way to express displeasure that I can even think of. I mean... The only thing that even tops it would be sticking your tongue out. Imagine if they did that. Oh, breaking news. The Major League Baseball players have run a buck. Story at seven. Can you imagine if we, if, if the outrage for a turn down thumb gave up, got it, was able to give and deliver all of this. What would they have done if they stuck their tongue out? You know what I'm saying? Like, what are we talking about? I couldn't. My mouth was just hitting the floor. I'm watching television Saturday, Sunday night, I believe. And I'm just in awe. I'm like, huh? You ever see something? where every, the reaction goes so far in the opposite direction of how you feel, you start questioning your life. 
I was looking at, oh, what the fuck? Am I still on Earth? Oh, shit. Have I eaten today? Did I just awaken from a coma? Everything is so out of sorts because you were just looking like, yo, how, how, how am I not getting that? How am I not receiving that type of reaction to this? Because everything. That's what you got. You got to watch what you watch sometimes, man. Because it should have had you thinking you crazy. But it's not that you're crazy. It's because everything has to be amplified and and, and magnified to the 10,000th degree. Everything has to be a scandal. We're grown men in the most polite manner are just saying, hey, we don't like to be booed. So we're going to turn the tables. And as if that wasn't silly enough, we had, what, the owner of the Nets release a statement. <laughs> like, bro, your team is some shit. And I guess, look, I guess you have to make the fans happy, right? You want to keep seat butts in the seats. Every study shows, doesn't matter. You can have the worst group of players, of people on a team. But if they win, people, you just talked about the field of dreams, right? If you win, they will show. Just win. That's all you got to do. I, I find it hard to believe that fans, I really do. And maybe I'm wrong because I've baseball is the 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 far the the great frontier for me, right? You know what I'm saying? I have no idea. Like baseball to me is like when fucking you know the Bama and Planet of the Apes landed on the beach and he's just looking like what? That's what baseball is to me. I don't know shit about that joint, so I try not to, you know. I just observe. And then randomly, once every two and a half years, say something about it on this podcast, right? So I'm just observing, like, wow, this is really garnering this type of reaction. Like, we're doing this. We've got fans in football stadiums literally having fights with one another. And yet, baseball players are coming under attack for turning their thumbs down to the point that the owner... Half feels as if he has to say something. I'd be shocked if any fan that was not six was like, oh man, I'm not trying to go see the Mets tonight because they put their thumbs down at me. <laughs> Maybe you don't want to watch them because they play like shit, but because they play like shit and you're booing them, so now that they are turning their thumbs down to you, that's that's going, that's the last straw. That's the straw that broke the camel's back. You can't now come back to the game. Man, make it a fun thing, bro. Taking yourself too seriously. The Bamas who get upset at surprise parties. The girls who don't like to get their hair wet when they're playing at the beach. The youngest who wear makeup to the beach. Nah. You taking yourself way too serious right now. Get from around me. <laughs> I thought that this was a prank. It it because it makes no sense on any level, no matter how you examine it. We have the media at large ready to wage war on a handful of players on an awful team because they were upset that they were booed. And to show their frustration, 
They didn't spit at anybody. They didn't curse at anyone. They didn't flip anyone off. They didn't get in any fights. No, even worse. Come here. Shh. I have, to, I have to whisper it. They actually turned their thumbs down and pointed at the fans. And then, because it was so appalling, they actually had to explain why they were doing it because nobody knew what the fuck they were doing because it's so innocent. Get the fuck out of here, bro. I wish I could turn my thumb down to the entire baseball media that got pissed off at that. That shit was so annoying. And it gave me such a great laugh. If ever I needed confirmation that something was not for me, well, damn it, I received it this weekend. This shit fascinates me. <laughs> like, you know, the unwritten rules, the baseball, Bama's can't celebrate a home run. You get, Bama's th will throw a baseball at you. Yet, if somebody wants to fight the, the pitcher after that, everybody tries to hold him away. Like, what are we, uh, come on. And the managers wear uniforms. I, I can't never get, they got the fucking socks and shit. Ugh. Baseball, some shit. I'm sorry. I know a lot of y'all love baseball, so God bless you, man. But that's some dumbass shit. I imagine it'd be great to watch if you high as fuck, though. <laughs> baseball lovers or baseball haters, I want to hear from you. Do you think that this controversy from the New York Mets was a waste of everyone's time? Or maybe I'm saying it wrong. Either way, please. Enlighten me. Share with me your wisdom. Baseball lovers, baseball haters, and everyone in between. I want to hear from you. Email me at quarterlyreport at gmail.com or tweet at the show at quarterly show. That's Q-U-A-R-T-E-R-L-E-E -E -E show. All right, so I'm running away from the diamond as fast as I can, but one place I will not run to will be the stands in Detroit. Breaking down one of the more... If you want to have something to be upset about, well, damn it, this was it, right? You want to get upset about something? Hey, stay tuned for quarter number two. It's our second topic this week. Second quarter. Now has jumped over the scorer's table and is trying to get down to the bench. Artest is in the stands. Oh, this is awful. Fans are getting involved. Steven Jackson's in the fans. Rasheed Wallace going into the stands. The security trying to somehow restore order. Fans and players are going at it, and the players trying to help each other out. This is a disgrace. How truly beautiful is it that Bill Walton, none other than Bill Walton, was on the call for the nationally televised game at the Malice, at the Palace. Like how beautiful, if that ain't some Forrest Gump type joint, right? 30 for 30 slipping. 30 for 30 is slipping. 30 for 30 should have absolutely, I'm talking about when we were talking about the U the first time and the two Escobars. How did they not have a 30 for 30 on the Malice at the Palace? And how has there not been a 30 for 30 just on Bill Walton himself? This man. Hey, seriously. But we're not going to. This, this isn't a Bill Walton special. We're talking about the malice at the palace. And, of course, I'm giving you my review of the Netflix documentary 
I don't even know if it's really a documentary. You know what I mean? They had an episode, but I think it was like an hour long episode on it. First off, if you are a NBA fan and, uh, and if you're of a certain age, you remember where you are, what you were doing when this happened. I vividly remember I was coming home. I had a work. I was working at my job, came home, chill with the little young and then came home, turn on the game. And it was a blowout. So I had the game on in the background. And I'm not watching it for most of the fourth quarter. And then that happened. And I remember Mike Breen going crazy. I remember Bill Walton doing a, this is a disgrace. And then later on, well, they were laughing. <laughs> because the absurdity of fans trying to fight NBA players. Unfortunately, especially if you've seen this documentary on Netflix. Unfortunately for Ron Artest, Steven Jackson, and Jermaine O'Neal, Reggie Miller to a lesser degree, this was not a laughing matter. And it's so interesting. This happened, what, in 04? 05? It was so interesting how far we have come I don't even want to say how far we've come. How the dumbness and how the silliness and how the the bigotry, right, and the stereotypical tropes that exist that were clearly prevalent during that time, just 16 years ago, how far we've come. And, you know, a relatively, depending on your age, short period of time. You watch this documentary and you see how in that moment the fans were looked upon as being victims. And then they're talking to the district attorney or one of the prosecutors and he's like, the players didn't do anything wrong. This stems, this stemmed from a few bad fans and then it turned into, you know, several dozen. But a guy throws a beer on a player and we killed Ron Artest. We killed Steven Jackson. And just to see how we view it now, a decade and a half later, was nuts. Because I tr trust me when I say this, I was always pro player on this. I don't know where you're from. I don't know your religion. But for me... If you throw beer on a person, on a grown adult, you are going to, or you should expect an ass kicking. I don't know where people thought, and you know, they make the excuse all, you know, people had left, the game was a bluff, so some of the fans from the upper tier made their way down. Nah. Nah. Bama's were throwing chairs? Nah, and I get it, man. Detroit's a hard city. Detroit is a hard town. I get it. I 100% understand that. But there's no way on God's green earth you can tell me that if I throw beer, alcohol on a professional athlete, I'm somehow being wronged if they try to charge and attack me. That's crazy. You have one Bama, they... Up the, just gave it up. Hey, man, we're going to try to scam these Bamas. He's off in the stretcher. 
He got the neck cast on. This fool runs on the floor and squares up with Jermaine O'Fucking-Neal. Are you fucking crazy? The whole, the whole scene was pure chaos. And, you know, oftentimes when you look back, you have, you know, there's the tendency to over romanticize. There's a tendency to exaggerate a bit, right? But when I tell you the Indiana Pacers were an absolute title contender, if not favorite, and it was earlier on in the year, but they they weren't lying. People forget because, you know, and, and we, we've had this conversation on this show before, right, about the team's history will forget. History is written by the winners. That cannot be debated. So with the exception of maybe the seven seconds or less sons, and I don't even know how history really remembers them. I think history remembers Steve Nash and history remembers Mike D'Antoni. D'Antoni not to the same. History won't be as kind to him as it was on Nash. But that first team, that very first Suns team that just took the lead by storm with Joe Johnson, with Mari, Sean Marion, Nash, like that team, I don't think the history will remember them. Unfortunately, the grit and grind Grizzlies went to a conference championship. History won't remember them. The Sacramento Kings. The Sacramento Kings, a, a, a team that was phenomenal, a team that should have won an NBA championship, if not for one referee. And speaking of Tim Donahue, how wild is it that he was calling that game? Tim Donahue was one of the officials refing that game. And this shows you how dope this documentary is. They had Tim Donahue for just like two sound bites, but they had him. And I thought that that was a bit of a, a wasted moment, right? Because Tim Donahue, if someone deserves a backstory, it's him. Oh, I'm sorry. Speaking of 30 for 30, how the fuck has there not been a story, a documentary specifically on him? I know why. Because the one true villain in this documentary, despite the fact that it's completely True. This is all factual. This is not any type of reenactment. They have the subjects sitting down. The one true villain is David Stern. God bless the dead. And the reason why there hasn't been any type of access granted for a Tim Donahue piece is because the NBA put the kibosh on that story. And I still to this day have no idea how the league was able to shut that down. Because when you talk about a scandal, it can't get any bigger than that. But I'm all over the place right now. So let me try to get this thing back on the track. In this Malice at the Palace documentary, they have Tim Donahue and they don't bring up his backstory at all. So if you are not aware of it, you have no idea. You just think he's a former NBA ref, which is nuts. And that was, I guess, my biggest critique or that speaks to my biggest critique of 
this documentary. They jammed it into an hour. And maybe this is because I'm an NBA nerd and I love this stuff so much. Then I guess, you know, anybody who produces content, you want them wanting more. You want to leave them wanting more is the old adage, right? And that's what this documentary did. But I felt like there was still so much meat on the bone. You know, you feel bad for Jermaine O'Neal. Though I didn't think that that was like the end of Jermaine O'Neal. Jermaine O'Neal was a, a tremendous basketball player and he played for more, quite a few more years after that at a high level. So the idea that Jermaine O'Neal was never the same, that kind of feels like a stretch. And to be fair, Jermaine O'Neal was one of the executive producers of this show. So yeah, there's going to be a natural bias there. I don't know if Jermaine O'Neal ever played on a team that was as great as that team could have been. But you can tell that that really hurt him. And for good reason and for good measure. He was depicted as being a thug and there was nothing that Jermaine O'Neal did that was wrong. He was protected. He felt threatened as anyone would have. And he protected himself at his place of employment. Now, I felt so bad for Ron Artest. Meta World Peace, excuse me. You know, it's easy, particularly given the context of Meta World Peace. And he's been a laughing stock. This is one of the reasons why, you know, when we talk about this this kind of new view, right? This new uh, position that we've that the media has taken when it comes to NBA players, or not athletes in general, about their mental health and making sure we're not making fun of them and giving them the space they need. Well, where the hell was that with his man? Because I've heard all the jokes from all of the analysts. When it comes to Metal World Peace. And if you want to talk about a person's mental health, it's clear that Meta at the time, Ron Artest, not just for this, but I mean, this man is basically pleading in the old interview saying, man, I just need time. I, this ain't good for me. He's telling you in plain terms. And he was vilified time and time again. He was vilified. The man gets pushed by Ben Wallace. He tells you, I'm trying to practice what I'm learning in therapy. And it makes so much sense when you hear him say it and then you rewatch the footage. He's like, all right, bet. I'm just going to sit here and I'm going to try to count and just get this shit off my mind because I'm upset. And then as he's doing what he's told to do, someone throws beer at him. Not at him, it actually hits him. And then he snaps. Ask yourself this question. If you are at your job, wherever you may work, and some stranger walks by and throws beer at you, what are you going to do? Doesn't matter if you're making minimum wage. Doesn't make it matter if you're making a quarter of a million a year. See, we always like to, to hide under the guise of, of, of wealth. Oh, well, you get so much money, it shouldn't matter. No, 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 no. Respect is something that is there, whether you're wealthy, you're middle class, or you're in poverty. You just can't excuse certain behavior. And I'm not saying you have to fight everybody who disrespects you. But I find it hard to believe if the majority of you guys, if someone just threw beer at you, at your job, you just be straight. 
But this is how they were depicted. They were the idea that so many, so many people took the, the position of the players were somehow wrong in this and the fans were people who needed to be protected. No, 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 no. Those type of fans are not the fans that you want. Those, if you want, if somebody's a thug, it's the Bamas who are throwing chairs, not the people who are protecting themselves. And again, that was an ugly moment for the NBA. But I'd be lying to you. I'd be lying to you if I did not love every second of it. I was amazed. I was entertained. I was laughing. Because I wanted them to knock all of those little motherfuckers out. Because there was never a time, even in 2004, bro. 2004, I'm like 20, 21 maybe. Even at that point in my life, there was no there was there was no thought of throwing something at a player and thinking that's cool. Thinking that's okay. And it's odd to see this documentary through the lens of 2021 because it's very clear. And some of your favorite sports voices, they don't look very good. 16, 15, 16 years removed from this moment. It's not the pleasant, it's not a pleasant sight for a lot of your favorite, some of the most respected names in sports because it, it shows you how nasty it was in the early 2000s. These men had to, had to be forced into a wardrobe, which is nasty in and of itself. So if you're asking me, and no one has, but damn it, I'm giving you my opinion for free. You're welcome. If you're asking me my, my review of the Malice at the Palace documentary on Netflix, I say, hey, man, if you are an NBA fan, I highly recommend it. Even if you're not, I think you would enjoy it just to, to relive one of the more infamous moments of sports in this generation. It's something that will live on. I truly do believe it. But it's also eye-opening to see where we were just that, not that long ago, just like a, a blink of an eye in, in, in regards to time, a blip. And you see where we were, how we depict some of the, we, these aren't just regular players. These were the best, some of the best players at the time how the commissioner the commissioner made his players public enemy number one in a in, in an incident where criminal charges were pressed against the fans you know the entire lens the entire scope of the nba because the nba has gone so far when it comes to player empowerment but when you look at the context not just at the palace, at the palace, but just throughout the history of this league. It shows how strong you can be when there is a goal and a united front. The NBA has come a long, the players in the NBA have come a long way. Imagine how far we could come if it wasn't just reduced to players. 
Imagine what we could do society, from a societal standpoint, whether it's from the environment, schooling, public health, race, sex, religious issues. Imagine where we could go, what we could do if we had a united front. It'll never happen. But like in my eyes, when I watch this documentary and I see how Jermaine O'Neal of all players, right? Jermaine O'Neal, a respected guy who was never looked, at least in my eyes, ever viewed as someone who was threatening. Look at how his career changed with that moment. Look, Listen to his voice as he's talking about reliving these moments. Listen to Ron Artest, someone who was actively working. Look how far we have come when it comes to therapy. Ron Artest, who has been the butt of jokes, excuse me, Meta World Peace, who has been the butt of jokes for over a decade now. Now that everybody wants to be, hey, you know, listen to the athletes. Athletes, they need their, you know, mental health. And people, the same people who years ago were ripping this man. Look how far they, we, us as a society has come. If this doesn't make you look back and say, wow, re-examine. Re-examine everything, but also think, at least for me, watching that made me think. My mind goes straight to damn. Look at what they did. Look how far they've come. Imagine. It'll never happen, but imagine if we could pull some shit like that off too. 16 years is all it took. And by no means am I saying it. we are at a perfect point in time. But in comparison, it's night and day. All right, guys, you heard the horn. That means we are at halftime this weekend. This weekend, halftime. I want to try a brand new segment, right? I learned this from my pops so long ago. Never, ever, ever tell someone I told you so. You don't ever want to do that because that's nasty. If you give your opinion on something, if you give somebody advice, particularly that you care about, that you love, you give them that advice because you care about them, because you love them, not to keep score. And while I love you guys in the large sense of the word, most of y'all I've never met in my life. So I do offer you some love, but damn it, I'm keeping score. And I'm, I will admit when I'm wrong, I'm wrong, and I will never run away from it. But I'm right a lot of fucking times, man. And I'm not going to let my victories go unseen. So, damn it, we've got a few topics that I will tell you. I told you so. Take a listen. I'd hate to say I told you so, but I told y'all motherfuckers what was going to happen to Daryl Morey, didn't I? I told you guys a few weeks ago that if the Sixers continued on this path of not listening and trying to publicize Ben Simmons not returning phone calls, being a malcontent, that you were going to piss off one of the most powerful people in NBA circles. And look what happened. Middle of the week, reports came out from Rich Paul and their camp. That Ben Simmons is done. 
And not only has Ben Simmons done in Philadelphia, not only is he not talking to anybody, not only is he formally requesting a trade, Rich Paul's other client on the 76ers, Tyrese Maxey, he went out of there too. Rich Paul was like, I'm done with the city of brotherly love. This is something that you could have telegraphed from miles away. And I tried to tell y'all, I tried to do it. Shout out to my guy, Terrence Stroder. I told you. I told y'all about this, right? You can't pick fights with people. This is one of the things, no matter how you feel about Daryl Moore, no matter how you feel about his entire legacy in the NBA, it one thing is clear. He is not really one to build relationships. He is more, hey, you are an asset. You are a means to get a greater asset, right? He looks at NBA players and the NBA as a, as a whole as a come up. And I'm not even saying it's bad. You should try to remove emotion as much as you can when you are someone in a power position like he is. That doesn't mean you can't acknowledge the Bombers who got the power. Like, you have juice. I have to acknowledge it. He failed to do that with Ben and Rich Paul by proxy, and now he has a shitstorm on his hands. Ben Simmons now, there's been reports that says, Ben used to just want to go to California. Now he's saying, I just would, I would play anywhere, get me the fuck out of Philadelphia. Everybody knows this. And I have to think Daryl Morey knows that whatever leverage he was trying to get, it's done. Ben Simmons is a phenomenal player. Y'all know how I feel about Ben. Y'all know how I feel about the entire, the entire atmosphere in Philadelphia. They gave the money to Joel Embiid. They've built around Joel Embiid. I am willing to say I told you so again in a few years. They have chosen Joel. And on some face, on some front, I understand the logic. But Joel Embiid is not someone that you bet long term on. Especially when you have a talent like Ben Simmons and they have gone out of their way to make Ben Simmons feel like trash. Joel Embiid, Doc Rivers, damn near the entire team blamed the series loss on Ben and solely on Ben. And if that's the case, this is what you gotta, you gotta read between the lines. If Ben Simmons is the sole reason why the 76ers have not succeeded, despite the fact that the only time the 76ers were swept out the playoffs, oh, that happened when Ben didn't play. Oh, my bad, two years ago in the bubble. The only time the Sixers started to win and started to make the playoffs, oh, that just so happens to coincide when Ben Simmons started playing. He took the first year off because of injury, second year he was back. That was the first time the process, if you will, made the playoffs, but shh, don't say that either. Maybe you believe in all of these coincidences. I don't know, maybe you do. I don't know your religion. But I know, I know that every single year that Joel Embiid has been in the league, despite being one of the best players, he's hurt. And for the last several years, the Sixers, despite one of the best players in the league, missing significant time, the Sixers still make the playoffs. It ain't because of J.J. Redick, Markel Fultz. It ain't because of Tobias Harris. <laughs> you understand? It's not because of Landry Shamit. You name them. We know why. And they're going to let a 25-year-old, 26-year-old top five defender, maybe, I mean, top three, really, 
top five defender, top five playmaker, passer for others. Go. You put all that on the shoulder. So here's the question. If Ben Simmons was the sole reason why the Philadelphia 76ers did not succeed in the playoffs, why do they want so much for him? Or why don't they package him and all their future picks and Tyrese Maxey to get a Damian Lillard or to get a star player? Why do they want so much in return for a player if they truly feel that they are championship contenders? I think the answer is clear as day, but I'll let y'all do it because I need another segment of this down the road. But I told you so. Daryl Morey, I told you so, bro. Don't pick fights with Bamas who got a bigger and larger weapons than you. Look, y'all, <laughs> whatever's going to happen in Philadelphia, it's been written. We've known it for a while. I am almost as confident in Philadelphia completely falling apart within the next three to four seasons as I am with any sports take that I may have currently. And I want to make it perfectly clear, and I've said this time and time again, and yet somehow people misrepresent what I'm saying. They act as if this part, which is a very important part, has never been admitted by people who are fans or people... I don't even say fans of people who like Ben Simmons or appreciate Ben Simmons' game. He played poorly in this in the Hawks series. He didn't play well. He needs to fix whatever it is mentally that is hindering him, particularly, and this is something that I've harped on since the jump of this show. He needs to work on his free throw shooting. I don't need Ben Simmons to shoot threes. I don't need Ben Simmons to do step back fallaways. Doesn't need it. He needs to be able to go to the free throw line and like he did in his first two seasons, be competent. High 60s, 70% free throw shooter. That's it. He doesn't need to do anything else. There's clearly a mental issue there with him. That being said, it is not a coincidence that Trey Young did not look like Trey Young in the series versus the Sixers. Trey Young did not look the same in that series versus the Sixers the way he did versus the Bucks and the way he did versus my Knicks. You just don't find guys like that. Ben Simmons is Bam Adebayo, who's a, a worse shooter, but a better passer. And because he scores 15 points a game, people just don't care. They act like he's just chopped liver. In no other world can a player, the best player on the team, average seven turnovers in three consecutive playoff games and is never talked about. How? There was talk about Tobias Harris being an all-NBA player this year, and he had a legitimate case. Look at his shooting numbers at the end of that season or end of that postseason. No one says anything. It was blatantly obvious versus the Wizards that Doc Rivers needed to stop his hockey lineup changes, right? Just doing shifts. It's clear to anybody who's watched 10 minutes of Sixers basketball that Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid need to play as many minutes apart from one another as they do playing together. You need to maximize those two apart because they're so different. And you saw it play out. Joel sits down, guess what happens? The speed, the tempo picks up, the shooters shoot, 
Guys are in transitions, more fast break points. Who's leading that? No one on Philadelphia outside of Ben Simmons can dribble or pass. So y'all think C.J. McCollum is going to help that out? And I said it in the halftime. Pretty clear. If the Sixers genuinely feel that they are a championship team, if they honestly feel that way, and they feel that Ben, first off, forget that. If the 76ers feel that they're a legitimate championship contender without Ben Simmons, then show it. You package Ben Simmons, future picks, young players, go after Damian Lillard. And don't think you could do a one-for-one -one swap. Again, the Lakers had LeBron. They missed the playoffs. They were like, all right, we need to give LeBron some help. Have all of the picks that we can give you. Have Lonzo. Have, have, have Brandon Ingram. Have Josh Hart. All of these guys have signed lucrative contract extensions. Have all of it and give us Anthony Davis. And guess what will happen? We'll compete for championships. That's the move. If you genuinely feel that one player is hindering you, give everything up for Dame. Go after De'Aaron Fox. The Kings are saying, hey, we're not going to trade you De'Aaron Fox. Make it worth their while. Say, hey, we'll give you Ben. We'll give you Maxi. We'll even give you Thibault. And then we'll give you three first-round picks. Make the Kings say no. Because guess what? If you have a point guard who can score, push the pace, I don't think Fox is as good as Ben Simmons, but the numbers match up. And Ben Simmons is just an hindrance. He's just an anchor. The way y'all tell it, Ben Simmons isn't good. He's not, an, he's not an asset. He's just an anchor. He doesn't shoot. He sucks. He's the reason you lost. Yada, yada, yada. Okay. That, plus the fact that you feel that you're a ready-made championship contender, Joel Embiid just signed his extension, go for it. Go for it. The idea that they're not should tell you everything you need to know. Hey, bonus. Bonus, I told you so. And I didn't want to add this to this week's show. Because I felt a way. You know, I came clean last week about Nas and King's Disease too. I waited three weeks before heaping praise on that album. And three weeks is typically too far, too fast for me. But I told you so, watch. For y'all who listen to this immediately, Friday morning when you when you get it on your phone or your, your tablet or whatever, shout out to y'all, man. I got so much love for y'all. I appreciate you. But if you're one of the people who listened to this podcast on Friday morning, I told you so. If you go to your timeline, I guarantee you, I'm calling my shot, I guarantee you, Friday morning, before you even listen to these words, there will be people saying that Certified Lover Boy is a classic. <laughs> I don't need to hear a single song from the album. Certified Lover Boy will be called a classic Friday morning. I told you so. Am I a bit hypocritical because I, I heaped praise? Though I did not call King's Disease to a classic. I want to be fair. I said it's remarkable and I love it. But it's not a classic. There will be people, and I waited three weeks to heap praise on that project. People will wait three hours to heap praise. Three listens. 
Shit, three minutes. Watch. I told you so. All right. Enough about that. We still have two quarters left. Two quarters left, man. The first half is in the books. I think we have a, a pretty nice lead, but we all know, especially if you watch the 76ers, leads can evaporate real quick. So we've got two quarters left. We're going to finish up strong, starting with our third topic this week. Third quarter. Yeah, hear the music. So you know where I'm taking this. And though, I want to be just make this perfectly clear. I thought I was done with this segment, right? Because I didn't want to make fun of, of athletes. They are superior, they're supremely, excuse me, talented players. People who are doing things that I could only dream about. So I wanted to readjust this segment, right? Because I believe that there is a way to have fun without making fun, right? So we'll see. It's the first time in I feel like a year that I've even done this segment. We'll see the response, right? And how I feel about it afterwards. Because if it feels nasty, I probably won't do it anymore. But when the league MVP from just like six years ago, six, seven years, like 2015, right? Cam Newton was the dude. Cam Newton was the guy. Gets to the end zone. Superman little thing. Fans didn't like him. There was this big deal about people not liking Cam Newton. People writing the letters or writing the paper. All this hub about Cam. Goes to the Super Bowl. Doesn't dive on the ball. Leaves in the post-game conference. It was all about Cam. Cam, Cam, Cam. And despite the fact that yeah, there were a lot of people who did not like Cam Newton. A lot of people probably still don't like Cam Newton. You couldn't question his dominance on the field. One of, if not the, I don't like doing this. I'm not going to rank it the number one, but it was absolutely one of the greatest college football seasons ever. It carried Auburn, bro. He <laughs> carried Auburn to an undefeated championship season. That's insane. I don't know. I don't know if Tim Tebow, Arch Griffin, you name them. Anybody. Anybody who you have up there, number one. Greatest college football athlete, Bo Jackson, Herschel Walker, whomever. I don't know if anybody carries that Auburn team to a championship. That year was so incredible. And Cam Newton absolutely revolutionized how football was played. But unfortunately, much like the late, great Steve McNair, I feel like by the time his coach genuinely knew how special he was, it was too late. And that's, we all know NFL stands for not for long. When you look at the, I don't want to say the fall off, but the, the, the gap of where Cam Newton was just a handful of years into where he is now, it's amazing. It's truly like mouth dropping. You're just like, what? In the same time when we have quarterbacks playing into their 40s, Cam Newton is still a baby, still a pup. And it may be it. 
it may be it for Cam. And I hate the fact that it's happening to him. Because unlike Donovan, and it, you know, I don't like comparing players just by races, but it's I think this one's a little bit more accurate. It's not just, hey, these are black quarterbacks who could run and had success, went to the Super Bowl, was close to winning. Cam Newton never had a squad like Donovan had. Cam Newton was absolutely a better quarterback than Donovan McNabb. But when you look at how Donovan McNabb's career just was done, like he was in Philly, they had success. For some, things went sour in Philadelphia. Andy Reid jettisoned him to Washington, and it was over. It was over. He was on the Raiders for a stint, I feel like, and it was done. I don't know what happens to Cam Newton after this. And a lot of people are like, oh, man, y'all saying Cam is washed, y'all overreacting. Are we? The problem, I think, with Cam is the high upside just isn't there. Despite his young age, despite, obviously, his prime, his body gave out on him, it feels like, right? I think it was Dragonfly Jones who tweeted this week. I don't know if you can put up with all the things that go along with having Cam Newton on your team. Not saying it's bad, but he's just got such a huge star quality around him. That if you even try to have him as a starter, is 15 for 28 going to be enough? 186 yards, is that enough to deal with the hoopla? I think that's a legitimate question. In fact, I think at this point, it's probably out of the realm of, we probably should get out of our heads to think of Cam Newton as a starter, but that's the problem. If we no longer consider Cam Newton a starter, which is, I believe is clearly the point that we're at now. I think Cam Newton's like, what, 31, 32? It's crazy. It's crazy. But if we're now at the point where Cam Newton is no longer a starter, that eliminates so many teams in which he can play for. Because you have, if you are even thinking of having Cam Newton on your team, you better make sure everybody on that team, that organization, and the majority of the people in the fan base understand that your number one is solidified. There can't be any doubt. Because if he goes to Dallas and Dak Prescott has a few bad games, Guess what's going to happen? Everybody's going to be looking for Cam. When's Cam coming in? If Cam Newton goes to, to Tampa, ain't nobody talking about Cam Newton, right? If, Tam, if Cam Newton is in Kansas City, nobody's thinking about Cam Newton. There are certain teams. Cam Newton's in Buffalo. Nobody's talking about him. If Cam Newton's in Seattle, Baltimore, nobody's thinking about him. I don't know if we're at that point in Cleveland. And I think Baker is better. But I don't know if Baker's position is that solidified. Whereas if he goes to Cleveland, Baker has three or four bad games in a row. All that talent on that offensive side, they all rock with Cam. Oh, yeah, that's a problem. Cam can't go in Cleveland. Cam can go to San Diego. Justin Herbert, he's already been anointed. Bong. Cam can't go to Philly. Cam cannot go to Philly. Cam cannot go to New York. 
And this is the, the dilemma. This is absolutely the dilemma because despite the fact that we have seen Cam Newton for the last however many years, we've seen the drop off. There's only so much punishment a body can go. And again, I brought up, again, the late, great Steve McNair. I remember watching Steve McNair when he first came into the league. And they just used him like he was a off-duty, off-road truck. It was very much like him. You didn't know how great he was. And then in the later end of Steve McNair's career in Tennessee specifically, they were like, oh, shit, Steve McNair is great. Let's open up the offense. And then the moment they open up the offense, he's setting records. He's winning MVPs. He, they go, they're having all this immense team success. But they just waited so long because after a while, there's only so much punishment the human body can take. Unlike Steve McNair, Cam Newton showed his first game. Oh, I can do this passing shit. Watch. 400 yards out the gate. But Steve Smith for so long was the only offensive weapon he had. And, 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 and what, uh, what, not, why can we say Greg Olson? It's tight end. But he had no legit weapons on the outside. So Carolina's offense was so predictable. It was like, hey, Cam, save us. Hey, Cam, fourth and short, third and short, fourth and goal, third and goal. Just punch it and I'll do it myself. Superman. That shit is cool. And it peaked when they went to the Super Bowl. Just unfortunately, they ran up against one of the best defenses at that time. And Cam didn't have a great game. But that's how sudden things move in professional sports. So though this is a wankster segment, I can't even really call Cam. I mean, it's wild how fast this has happened. Because he literally... Just was a league MVP. He literally was just the face of the league. I mean, he checks off all the boxes, got the got the pretty boy smile, is the size of a linebacker, went to Florida, uh, Auburn, went to Florida first, went to Auburn from Georgia, has all the charisma, Superman was successful early on. I mean, he got the quarterback, looked the whole nine, and it was so fleeting. In a day and age, where quarterbacks are productive longer. Have sustained incredible lengthy careers. And I'm not saying that Cam Newton's career is over. Because I do believe that he can get on as a backup. He, he should be. And I think honestly they're teams who need a quarterback. But the problem is the teams who need a quarterback. They're not winning anything. They're not competing for anything. So why would you bring in Cam Newton? You want to win, you want to lose. You want to get a top pick. You want to draft the next, you know, Justin Herbert, the next Trevor Lawrence, the next Patrick Mahomes, Deshaun Watson. You want to get those guys, right? So there's no need for you to bring in Cam who's going to raise your floor. I don't think Cam Newton raises the ceiling anymore, actually. I think it's pretty obvious he doesn't. But he absolutely raises your floor. You can't have a top overall pick if Cam Newton's your quarterback. He's still that he's still that good. But he's not good enough to lead a team to a championship. And if you're going to bring in Cam Newton and all that comes along with it, well, that's part of the equation. That's part of the math that you have to do. 
I'm not going to get into the vaccines, vaccine status. Y'all know how I feel about Bama's who don't want to get vaccinated. And Cam, he got a whole lot of dumb shit off the, the football field stuff. I'm reminded of the interview. And again, this happened just years ago. How fast this happens. When Carolina's thinking about bringing in Eric Reed, And Cam was like, I don't know if we can handle the distractions. <laughs> Remember that? You remember when the Carolina Panthers had him talk with Frank Luntz? The conservative pollster? And how Cam was off the, the cap shit. Like, you remember all that? And again, I think there's a larger discussion to be had about the unfair amount of pressure that black quarterbacks had to, had to feel. They had to have feel, felt it during that time. Pressure that no one ever put on white quarterbacks. I do believe that's a bit unfair. But he ain't had to be all buddy-buddy with Frank Luntz. Get the fuck out of here. So Cam's got his own shit now. Let's be real. This is not a, this is not a cry for me moment for Cam Newton. But what it is, is a reminder. Let's not take some of this shit for granted, man. What Tom Brady is doing, put it up in the rafters. We all are so quick to say Aaron Rodgers is the next or he's the best or Patrick Mahomes is going to be the best. All this stuff. And I'm like, bro, what's the rush? Because what Tom Brady is doing is showing you, dog, I can beat all of these guys in my 40s. In my 40s, bro. Fuck your ice cream. Fuck your breads. Give me avocado bread. Avocado, all this gross shit, man. Whereas Cam Newton, a guy who literally was one of the players who changed how football was played from the quarterback position, a lightning rod, came in, took over, dominated, won MVP, and it's over. Damn, homie. Reality can be harsh. Reality can be harsh. And this is not, and again, I don't blame this on camp. My man had a car accident. He had the ankles. He had the knee, the arm, the shoulder. His body just gave up because Ron Rivera ran his ass into the ground. And of course he did. Because he was that clutch. He was that great in short yardage situations. They had no receivers. I don't even know if they prioritized it. They had my man, what, Calvin Benjamin? But he ate himself out the league. You never surrounded him with the talent to show off all of his God-given unique abilities. It's one of the things why I'm so happy that Patrick Mahomes has an Andy Reid. You give him all these speed weapons and all these weapons, and then what happens, right? We say, oh, maybe Patrick Mahomes isn't that good. Maybe it's the guys around him. No, don't do that. Celebrate greatness because it's not a guarantee that you're going to have it for long. People wanted to, 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 to diminish what Tom Brady was doing. Oh, well, he's being coached by Bill Belichick. Nah, fuck that. Tom Brady's that motherfucker. Celebrate it because it ain't coming again. Celebrate Aaron Rodgers. Celebrate the guys who make you, the guys when you see them, you know it's special. Because what Cam Newton did in his very, very short prime was absolutely special. 
but now it's gone. I want to know what you guys think about Cam. I want to know what you think about his future in the NFL. You think it's over for him? You think he's a backup? Do you think any team should go after Cam Newton as a backup? Because I don't. You have to make sure your number one is solidified. Because don't be having Baker Mayfield be your number one. Even with Baker playing as well as he's playing. Because you know there will be bad games from Baker. And the moment there's a bad game, Daniel Jones, another one. Don't do it. Giants, don't bring in Cam. Because the moment you do, you're asking for trouble. But that's just my opinion. I want to hear from you. Email me at quarterlyreport at gmail.com or tweet at the show at quarterly show. That's Q-U-A-R-T-E-R-L-E-E show. All right, guys, three quarters are in the books. We are almost there. But one of the biggest topics that have at least been in my radar for like a year now, a year plus, picked up steam earlier this year after a name change in Cleveland. And now the Washington football team is bringing up lists and thinking about doing potential reality TV shows to reveal whatever their new name is going to be. And I'm just like, enough. The debate about how serious we take sports nicknames. It's our fourth and final topic this week. Fourth quarter. You know, sports has done a, a phenomenal job at uniting. There's so many things that are going on in our world, in our country right now, that, you know, to fight for what you feel is right is meant to be exhausting. Right. To fight, to advocate, uh, however you want to break it down, to fight for justice, to fight for equality, to fight for our environment, um, to fight for people who are unable to fight for themselves. Um, it can be taxing. Absolutely. And that's one of the reasons why sports are so great. Right. Because. For two and a half hours, three hours, depending on how whatever game match sport you're 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 watching, you can kind of put that thing to the side and have a communal experience that brings people together and and brings enjoyment and makes you feel, man, we're in such a a digital time. You know, I have a daughter, as you guys know, I also have a very very small niece, and looking at the world through the prism of a 38 year old right who whose favorite thing to do when i was little was to go outside you understand like literally that's the phrase now you out you went outside but like to actually be outside to actually be with your friends talking to them physically like like talking to approaching a woman trying to you know what i mean like court someone like all of these things that I'm not necessarily sure that we are going to be able to pass down because we have been distanced, whether it's because of health reasons as the pandemic or because of technology. We just, you feel me? Like, we just don't move the same way. So sports is an important fabric, a part of the fabric of our society. I, I genuinely believe that. I really do. And I'm a, I'm a sports head, obviously. Uh, and I don't mean to wax poetic, but I genuinely feel this. But as a sports fan, we can, again, remember we talked about taking ourselves too seriously with baseball at the beginning of the show. But that's not something that's isolated with baseball. We as a sports 
society, as a culture of people who actually love sports. We OD a lot. And this is this is prevalent in all areas, whether we're talking about baseball, whether we're talking about basketball, with the Malice of the Palace fans take think that their positions are so uh, important that we we feel like we can throw objects at the athletes who we are watching, paying money to see. Even down to this fake importance that we place on our team names and mascots. That's how we're going to end the show tonight or this week. You know, y'all know, uh, spent shit more than half of my my years now in the Washington D.C. area, born in Richmond, still a huge Washington football uh, team hub. So my entire life, that team, the Burgundy and Gold, they've they've represented, you know, and not you know a significant chunk of my sports. IQ, my sports uh, identity. You know what I mean? And I've never been a Washington football fan. My daddy was, God bless the daddy, he was a Cowboys fan. So we that that was never going to happen. But growing up, you know, you knew what time it was with the Burger and go. And they're just kind of like, okay, that's that's the team, man. And I, I, I really am just so thankful that I was raised by people who who were able to tell me and show me and teach me that there are some really, really important things outside of just what you enjoy. There are people who go, oh, who OD, I'll never forget, man. In 94, I was a Bills fan. Then obviously I'm still a Knicks fan. 94 was a rough year because the Bills lost in the Super Bowl for the fourth straight year and the Knicks lost in the NBA Finals. Uh, the first time I'd ever seen them make it to the Finals. So, you know, as a little kid, man, you're like, damn. And I remember my pops said, Armand, look around you. You have a house. You're in a house. You're taken care of. You have people who love you. You're healthy. There's food on the table. It's beautiful outside. Do not let this ruin your day because ultimately this does not matter this being my hurt feelings over my favorite teams losing in spectacular fashion and you know when you're young you hear that and you like okay that's just my pops talking about blah 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 but like that's real you see so many bamas get so caught off guard off of so many stupid stuff bamas go spend their whole day going back and forth with the stranger on a social media app about a team that they don't have any investment in outside of an emotional one, and it's just leisure. And I'm reminded of that. It's just leisure when I see the uproar over the potential names for the Washington football team. And it's not just in D.C. Earlier this summer, the Cleveland Indians, the Cleveland Indians. Now, come on, bro. There was an uproar because they changed their name to the Guardians. They've long since done away with Chief Wahoo or whatever. I mean, bro, when you look at the old Indians mascot, what's the argument? (laughs) We want to remove ourselves from this, as we should. And yet we live in a world where Bamas will fight. Fight 
over a mascot, over a team name. How old are you? It's, what are we talking about? These are ideals. These are, these are thought exercises that children can understand. Your attachment to a team, not even the team, because the team is still the same. Everything about the team is still the same. Your attachment to a drawing. Your attachment to a nickname. Think about it. Washington football team. Burgundy and gold. Washington. How many nicknames do you have for one team? It's not that it's not that deep, because I can assure you, if you are a fan of the Washington football team and by some miracle they win the Super Bowl. You aren't going to be like, oh, well, that wasn't the skins. No, it's not the, the team of my childhood. Fucking grow up. These are basic ideals, man. Like, why would you want? You can't. The, the argument that these team names aren't racist is easily disproven because no one in their right mind would say these words, these phrases to indigenous people. If you were to see one, walk up on one, you would not call them that. It's one of the reasons why, the, you know, the chiefs are a little bit different. Because people call people chief, like, and I and I understand it, that's, that's semantics, right? Because we know that's not, you say, hey, what's up, chief? That's not the, the, the true meaning of that the team name in Kansas City, right? So that's why they have a little bit of a wiggle room. Florida State, the Seminoles, the tribe actually likes, they, they have a deal with Florida State, so they can get that off. But red skin and Indian? Come on, bro. Like this, this is, this is, this is ground level stuff. This isn't even sophisticated. This isn't even the stuff that you have to say, well, man, there's a certain level of context. No. This is, this is the, Low-hanging fruit. And the fact that people want to fight over this? Why? And this is, you know, that's the important thing. Do it because it's right. You know, I tell my daughter this all the, all the time, right? You, the, true, the true test of, of someone who's genuinely just a good person. Or I shouldn't say a true test. A good barometer, right? I like to call it the, the shopping cart theory. I tell my daughter this all the time. Don't do something because you're afraid that you'll get punished for it. And don't do something because you want to be praised. Do something because it's the right thing to do. And too many people in this world who do things because they want to get praised for it. Well, no, that, that can't be the fuel to do something right because then... I'm looking at you like, okay, well, you're just doing this just so you can get some praise for your ego. You're not doing it because you have a good barometer of what's right or wrong. Similarly, don't do something because you're afraid of the punishment. Because as you get older, you can get away with a lot of stuff that you won't get caught. If, if the only, again, if the only governor that you have is, oh, man, shit, if I do this, I'm going to get in trouble. In some cases, that's pretty good, weighing pros and cons. 
But you also don't want that to be their only governor about doing what's right. That's why I go to the shopping cart, right? If you go to the grocery store, you can leave the shopping cart just wherever after you take your, your groceries and put it in your car. But you know you ain't, you know, that's an asshole move. You got people, these got kids running around in the parking lot, getting their shopping carts and all over the place. You got cart, they got little, little cart spots all up and down the parking lot. Just put it back. Do the right thing, right? You're not going to get praised for it. If you return the shopping cart to the little shopping rack in the parking lots, no one's going to be like, hey, man, good job. No one's going to do that. Similarly, if you just leave it up on the little, you know what I'm saying, just anywhere in, in the parking lot, just push it into the, you know, just wherever, no one's going to get mad at you. No one's going to say, hey, man, why'd you do that? Come here. You're going to get a ticket. Nope. You return it because it's the right thing to do. The fact that we have to have these conversations about the history of the term redskin. Or we have to talk or we have to interview indigenous people to talk about the pain of being a mascot and, and throw out stats about how teenagers who are indigenous, the suicide rates and the alcoholism and how they feel like they're just mascots. The fact that we have to do all of that to explain away why the team name, the Indians and the caricatures on the hats need to be changed is an indictment on us as a society, bro. It's not that hard. You don't call anybody that. And on a more superficial level, the fact that we are so caught up and so defensive over team names, 80% of team names and mascots are stupid. Think about it. In all of professional sports, who have the really good team names? I can think of a few off of my the, the Raiders. That's a dope name. You need a rage. You need the Raiders. It, the emblem is dope. Everything about it is dope. We are the Raiders. I like that. I also like the names that are attached to history of that city, right? Like the Trailblazers. We call them Blazers for short, but you know, the Oregon Trail, Trailblazers. I think that's dope. I like that. The Minnesota Twins. Twin Cities. I think that's dope. Houston Rockets. Cool. Bro. My favorite team were called the Knickerbockers. The New York Knickerbockers. Stop it. <laughs> Nobody care about your team. The Miami Dolphins. Think about all the stupid team names. And I know nobody care about the Kings. They got Kings in every damn sport now. Rangers, Texas Rangers, that's dope. I like Texas Rangers. That's a, I like that. Again, tie to your city. The New York Rangers, stop it. The New York Jets. The Minnesota Wild. The San Antonio Spurs. You got a team name after the Spurs, bro. All the teams named after birds, the Cardinals, the Eagles, the Pelicans. I know Pelicans are prevalent down in New Orleans. Fuck it. Why are you named after a Pelican? Think about this. The Utah Jazz. The Jazz is a dope name, particularly if they were still in New Orleans. 
the Utah Jazz? You can't. Come on. <laughs> the Toronto Raptors are only named Raptors, be not because of the the history of Raptors in prehistoric times and and what was what is now known as Canada. Because when they came out, the movie was super big and super popular, and the biggest villain in Jurassic Park were the Raptors. <laughs> you understand? We have all of these stupid names. The Dolphins have a damn dolphin in the sun smiling on their helmets. The Knickerbockers are just shorts that nobody wears anymore. And you mean to tell me we have people fighting and on talk radio every single day complaining about the team name? Who gives a fuck about a team name? Is the, the, the one thing, well, there's a lot of things that are crazy about sports culture. And as someone who is as embedded in and a part of sports culture, like sports plays such a huge part of my life. I'm not pointing the finger at some, you know, external or like it's your guys' fault. No, I'm a part of this, but we need to talk about it. If you yourself have been upset about the Washington football team, ask yourself, what's wrong with my life that this is such a priority that I'm giving this energy? Because I guarantee you, you spent a lot of hours this offseason talking about the Washington football team. Don't tell me you don't care about it. Don't tell me the team it's not the team of the, your youth. Depending on your age, it can still be called the Redskins, and this is not the team of your youth. The Burgundy and Gold were a great team in the 80s when I was a young boy. Don't matter what you call them. This ain't the same team. So either get upset and find a new team or be an adult. Be an adult and put your priorities in order. Do you upset about the, the Cleveland Guardians and the fact that they've changed? I, I, I had a news director who used to get so upset about it because he's from Cleveland and he's I'm like, man, what's wrong with you? <laughs> what's wrong with you? doesn't matter what they're called. If you like the team, if you love the team, the players are still the same. The history is still there. The Washington football team used to be called the Washington Braves. They changed the name. It's, it's a change of the name. The team is still the same. If you can't understand why calling your team a, a, racial, a racial slur is a bad thing that deserved to be never to have been ha never to have happened. Forget about a change in 2021 cancel culture and all this other stupid excuse that people have because they don't want to be held accountable because no one wants to act like an adult. This isn't cancel culture. This isn't PC run amok. This is doing the right thing. Doing the right thing. No one should be praising them. 
Because this is the right thing. This is something that should have happened a long time ago. These teams, and like I don't, I'm not a fool. I don't think that these guys are doing it because they feel morally obligated. They, and I don't think they're doing it because, hey, man, this is just, this is the right thing. I think they're doing it because they've probably gone to multiple different, um, you know, uh, consulting firms and they've done all the tests. And they like, you know, for your brand, this is a good thing. Moving forward. They're not doing this because they feel this is a, they're morally obligated. Of course not, right? So they fail the shopping cart test. But we, if, if you've ever found yourself getting upset because the team name is now called the Guardians, dog, I just, I have no clue where your life went wrong. Because we invest too, we already invest time, energy, and emotion, which are, which are not bad things, into sport. Again, we started this quarter off talking about kind of like the, the communal uh, aspect of sports. The, the, the thing that makes sports such a great uniter. So why on earth does anyone think that the beauty of sports and how it brings us together would be improved or amplified or magnified by having words that naturally pull us apart. This is basic stuff, basic decency. The Washington football team, I guess now they're going to have like a reality show or, or some type of unveiling, something. I don't know if it's going to be a television show or, or something that's done online, but to, to unveil their new team name. And it's part of capitalism, right? Everybody going to find a way to hustle. You know, it is what it is. I just don't understand still to this day. Again, I'm 38. If you are seven and you've got some dickhead parents and then, you know, and, and, and as a seven-year-old, six-year-old or whatever, your team name is probably the one of the biggest things in your life because you haven't experienced much. So, yeah, if I was talking to an adolescent, a child, I'd understand a little bit. Yeah, I get it. If you're my age, if you're old enough to buy liquor and you're telling me that you're upset because the Indians have been changed to the Guardians, wash your face. Get you and, and and take a good look in the mirror and ask yourself, what's wrong with you? <laughs> why is this such a priority? And why are you completely incapable of understanding just common decency? Because the people who want to talk about, you know, it's always the people who say, hey, man, I just want to remove myself from sports. That's I get that. We all need an escape, whether it's sports, whether it's uh a hobby, sewing, whether it's music, art, whatever the case may be. However you need to to detach and to unwind, go for it. But you can't in one breath say, hey, man, I love sports because I can remove myself and it brings people together. And then say, damn it, why are we not calling my favorite team the fucking Redskins? That ain't PC culture run amok. That's not cancel culture. It's just being a decent motherfucker. All right, y'all, man. Hopefully, you guys have enjoyed the show. NFL fans, I know you're upset. 
Why aren't you talking about Cam Newton? Yeah. I ain't really feel like it. Why aren't you talking about the 53 man rosters? Yeah. There's, there's, there's literally tens of thousands of podcasts that are solely based on who the 54th or in this in this situation, the 59th man who was cut. If you want to do that, man, God bless. Go ahead and, and, and OD into your heart desires. I'm sure I'll be talking about the NFL next week. In fact, I guarantee I will. But for everyone else, I hopefully you enjoyed, in my humble opinion, the very best sports podcast there is. Remember, head on over to Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever else you listen to podcasts. Download and subscribe to the Quarterly Report Podcast. And while you're there, if you could be so kind, leave me a few words to let me, your friends, the world. (coughs) Oh, wow, that was crazy. I don't know how that happened. Let leave me a few words uh, to let everyone know why you enjoy the show. Again, in my humble opinion, the absolute very best podcast on sports and culture that you can find. And I will see you guys right back here next week. Hey, enjoy the holiday weekend. And I will see you next week for another episode of the Quarterly Report Podcast. Stay safe.